Hello, Gospel Baptist Church. Another Wednesday evening. I'm glad you're tuning in. Uh, hope you're enjoying some of these studies. Uh, tonight, I really wanted us to look at uh, the Holy Spirit's work. And when I say that, we're going to be in John, mainly John 16 today. And, and uh, if, if you read John 14, 15, and 16, you get some of the teachings about what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do in our lives and who He is and, and uh, different things of that. And so it's the Holy Spirit's work. But I want us to realize that uh, we must uh, follow and obey the Holy Spirit's leading in the Christian life. We must follow and obey the Holy Spirit's leading in the Christian life. This leads to growth and victory and some other things. Now, when I say that, there's a lot of different things that pop into people's mind. Uh, we tend to think of the abuses of the Holy Spirit where all kind of ecstatic utterances and uh, miracle, miracle claims and things. And I'm not saying he can't do that. I think I interpret it a little bit differently than some others do. But we need to understand that if you're going to have any kind of real growth, any kind of real victory in the Christian life, you have to depend upon the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've been given everything for life and godliness. We have God's Word. We have the Holy Spirit living within us, okay, to guide us and direct us, to speak to us from God's Word. And, and we have the Holy Spirit's power available to anoint us, to fill us, to make it through the temptations, the trials, or tribulations that life brings. And so I wanted to look at this briefly tonight because it's a, it's a, it's a big study and, and we'd never get through it in several months if we took it just a little bit at a time, but just sort of a broad overview. You know, we've been talking about witnessing, about living a certain way. None of that's possible without the Holy Spirit. God didn't just save us and leave us here to flounder on our own. He saved us, and the moment we're saved, we're sealed for the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said he, we would know Him because He would live in us. All right? And so I wanted to look at some things. Now we're going to begin with just a few verses out of chapter 14 and then move on to verse chapter 16. Uh, In chapter 14, beginning in verse 11, it says, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, uh, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. He goes on and he, and he says he's going to manifest them. And then he says, these things in verse 25, these things I have spoken to you that while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. Peace I live with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And he goes on in chapter 15 and tells us that he's chosen us and that we should cho we've been chosen to bear fruit and that our fruit should remain. And, and uh, then we come to chapter 16, okay? And uh, basically, remember, we're to follow and obey the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so what does the Holy Spirit's work involve? Uh, first of all, it involves conviction. 
It involves conviction. In verse 7 of chapter 16, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I go away, if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the, sin, convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. All right? And two or three things about this. He says to a hurting group of people, because this started way back in chapter 14, that he was going to depart. And he would come back and receive us to himself. The disciples were confused. They didn't want him to go. And then in chapter 16 it says, It's to your benefit that I go. Because if I don't go, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, won't come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Alright? And in my name he'll let you remember everything. And so when, when I say it involves conviction... What does that mean? It, it means, conviction means uh, to bring to light, to call to account, or to expose. So there are things in our life that he brings to light, that he uh, calls us into account for. It, it means that uh, he exposes things that might not be right in our lives. And, and I ask, well, why would we be put in that kind of situation where where we get the spotlight put on us. And Jeremiah reminds us of that. In, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, he says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Then the answer is, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. God knows our hearts. But he wants us to realize some of the things going on in our lives that he's working on to bring these things to light. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring that conviction. All right? Now, <clears throat> he calls us into account, but I want you to know the second truth of that is this. This is for before we're saved and after we're saved. He says, uh, when he has come, he'll convict the world of sin. Of sin. Okay? Of, of sin, verse 9 says, because they do not believe in me. The Holy Spirit's the one that draws lost folks to themselves. He convicts them of the truth uh, that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and they need to accept Him by faith and repent of their sins to be saved. After we're saved, he says, of sin and of righteousness and of the judgment or the judgment to come. In other words, uh, he convicts the loss of their spiritual condition apart from Christ. But he continues after we've been saved because we might develop some sin in our lives or some habits that aren't pleasing to the Father or we're not growing appropriately. And that's the righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus and we're to grow. All right? And we need to understand that the Holy Spirit convicts us when we're not doing that. And so it's a conviction all right, but the second thing, that conviction is conviction is both before and after. All right, that's his work. And we need to ask ourselves, are we learning about the Holy Spirit to hear his voice? And every time I say that, somebody says, I just don't hear God. Just, you hear God in a small, still voice or maybe in a loud voice. Everybody's different. I'm not saying it's an audible voice. I'm saying that I'm reading my Bible and the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And teaches me truths or convicts me. 
okay, or tells me that I need to do this or quit doing that, all right, and it's, it's, it's an impression, it's a sense that this is what God has for me, and that's what He has for you, and all believers have access to the Holy Spirit because He resides in us. So the world would not know Him, but we know Him because He will live in us. All right? You might think that's a conscience, but I think even lost people have a little bit of a conscience, but it's the life of Jesus in us, and it's to be manifested. It's to produce fruit. And when that's not happening, the Holy Spirit convicts us of that sin that we need to get out of our lives so that we are fruit bearers. All right. Um, so the first thing he does, he, he does conviction. And that's for the lost folks. But it's also conviction for the saved folks as they're living and growing in Christ. And so that's the first thing. That's the first thing I want us to know about the Holy Spirit. His work is, is for conviction of sin and judgment and righteousness that we may learn. The second thing is the Holy Spirit work, work involves consecration. Consecration? Yeah, consecration. We're set apart, especially for God. Uh, you, you might call it uh, sanctification. But we're consecrated, not just set apart from the world, but set to work in God's kingdom. Set to bring glory to the Father. Set to produce fruit. In, in chapter uh, 15, Jesus says, I'm the true vine. My father's a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Uh, he says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing the holy spirit uh, is how we abide in christ the holy spirit is is the one who brings the growth the fruit uh, so that we're not ashamed all right and even when we bear fruit there's still things that need pruned out and he reveals those things all right uh, so he involves consecration setting aside in consecration realize that first of all there's guidance second corinthians 10 2 the Apostle Paul says this, But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold uh, with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as we walk according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. To the obedience of Christ. You see, there, there's that guidance. The Spirit guides us as believers into all truth. The Spirit searches everything, even the deep things of God, and reveals those to us. And if we're going to bear fruit, there has to be guidance. Uh, in the Old Testament, he said, I'll stand behind you and I'll tell you to go to the right or the left and show you the way. That's the Holy Spirit of the New Testament. The Spirit would come upon them in the Old Testament just for set times, for set works. We have the Holy Spirit constantly. He guides us into all truth. 
If you want to know truth and how to find truth, you have to be reading our Bibles, studying our Bibles, memorizing the Word. We have to spend time praying to get used to how God speaks into our lives and how He guides us and directs us. And that consecration is to the, not to the right or left, but straight on the path. And then there's going to be growth. That growth is in the form of the, <clears throat> of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. In other words, these things will be manifest in our lives. Now, some scholars argue that you have all of them or none of them. I tend to be the other grant. You've got some in greater degree or greater control than the others. And the Holy Spirit is working to sanctify us. The Holy Spirit is working to consecrate us so that these others, as they're nurtured and, and watered and, and pruned, grow and we have these fruits of the Spirit. If you don't have some of these fruits, you need to be concerned about that and get to praying what God would have you to do. If you don't have any of them, then you're not a Christian. Okay, because it says if you have the Spirit of God, these are the fruit of the Spirit. Notice them. Men especially we need to notice because we often don't have some of these things. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which is always used in relationship with other people. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, uh, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Being kind and gentle doesn't come naturally to know what most men. Most men are not nurturers, even though with the Holy Spirit we can be. All right? And we need to understand that. And that's not to say that, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to chase that rabbit. Let's just, let's just go on. You see, he works for our consecration. There is both guidance to guide us in the right way, and then there is uh, growth. All right? In other words, under our natural inclinations, we can't do this by ourselves. Uh, spiritual growth takes effort. Uh, it goes against our natural nature. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit becomes evidence as we become more mature as Christians. And we learn to pursue those kinds of things rather than worldly types of things. Or what we used to think was important fades in comparison to Christ and His nature which lives inside of us to produce this fruit. And we need to understand that and we need to ask ourselves and read about the fruit of the Spirit and, and what, what does it mean, gentleness and self-control and, and love and those kinds of things. And when we discover that, we know where we need to work. See, Paul said, For by grace you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any men should boast. Well, it's not of works, Brother Gary. But Paul also said, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He told us to make sure we're in the faith. One of the ways we know is the Holy Spirit working in our lives and producing this fruit, and we don't act like we used to. There's not as much anger in my life as there used to be. Now, there's still plenty that I'm working on. There's not near what it used to be. I'm a lot more kind than I used to be. So that's just because you're getting to be an old man. Well, maybe so. But I'm hoping it's because I'm starting to finally mature a little bit more in Christ. You cannot do that apart from following the leadership and obeying Him, which is the Holy Spirit. Do we understand that? Do we, do we know that? The third truth, not only is He convict us of sin and judgment and righteousness, not only does He consecrate us, the Holy Spirit works 
as a counselor for us. Again, in John 16, he says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. When he comes, he can mix the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father. And you see more of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. All right, and what I wanted us to, to see about this as counselor is, is what does it mean? He, he's, he's our helper, and, and that word is often translated counselor. It means parakletos, okay? And parakletos is one who's called alongside to help, one who's called alongside who pleads our case before a judge. And Jesus said when he went away, he would send the one who would be our helper, who would plead our case. He's our counselor. He's our advocate is the way we'd say it in our language. He is for us and pleading our case as he's guiding us, okay? But the second truth of him being our counselor, uh, okay, is, is not just one called alongside to argue a case, but, but life is difficult and he's our helper, all right? Uh, you see, with all the Sadness, the stress, the difficulties, the grief, the anxiety we go through. Uh, we think that God is not for us, but that's not true. He's given us His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to be our helper. Uh, when no one else is there, God is there in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. When we think nobody else cares, God is there loving on us in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. When we think that God has abandoned us, it's not true. Jesus said he'd never leave us nor desert us. And, and that's true because the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, resides in us. Never to leave us nor forsake us. And we don't even know how to pray. He talks about the deep groans within us and something that means some kind of spiritual language. And, and that might be so in some cases, but most of the time is we often don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit interprets the desires of our hearts to God the Father. God reaching down to God reaching up for our benefit. So we'll be heard, understood, answered because he's our helper. All right, he's our counselor. He gives us wisdom. Jesus said he'd teach us all things. He would bring back all things to our remembrance. If we don't put it in, how's he supposed to bring it out of our minds? If we don't put it in our hearts, how's it supposed to shine forth to guide us and let us know? Because our hearts, remember, are deceitfully wicked in all things. In other words, our own hearts can fool us, but the Spirit of God searches deep the depths of the heart. And the Holy Spirit is going to show us what's wrong with our hearts. He guides us. He directs us. He counsels us. All right? Think of how hard life would be if we didn't have the Holy Spirit and God's Word to live. We would fail utterly. And God didn't want us to fail, but to succeed, to grow into the fullness of the richness of the stature of Jesus Christ, is the way Ephesians puts it. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we desire? Isn't that really what we want is to be everything Jesus wants us to be? If he's our Savior, that's our desire. The last thing about the Holy Spirit, it, it involves our commissioning. See, as he grows us, as we bear fruit, it involves our commissioning. And we find that in the books of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, but you shall receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And because of that power, because of the Holy Spirit being in us, 
You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. That pretty well covers wherever we live. It doesn't mean you have to be a pastor. It doesn't mean you're a youth pastor or a music guy or you're a deacon or a Sunday school teacher. All of us that know Jesus are to be witnesses to what he's done for our lives. He saved us, redeemed us, bought us back. He's growing us. He never leaves us. He works out things we never thought he could work out to help us by his power. And we tell folks about that Jesus. That's being a witness. But it only happens as we depend upon the leadership and the direction and obey that leadership and direction of the Holy Spirit. It works like this. God brings somebody into your life. Sometimes he brings somebody for a very short time and we have to witness right away. Sometimes he's brought them into our lives so we build a relationship. They learn to trust us and we earn the trust to share that witness, but there has to be a witness. It's not just they'll see everything and know I'm different. They may, they just may think you're a good moral person, okay? They need to know that if you are a good moral person, it's because your morals are based in Jesus Christ, that he gave us his righteousness. That's what the Bible says, again, in that Second uh, Corinthians passage. It says that if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And then you go on down two or three more verses. And it says, For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And there's something about a righteous life that does something. It convicts those who aren't living a righteous life. They're not going to be always comfortable. Now, I'm not saying, I want you to hear me carefully. I'm not saying we point our fingers or look down our noses. They are lost. All right? They are going to act like lost people. The only way they're not going to be lost is if we share the gospel and love them into the kingdom. Be gentle in your judgment and in my judgment. But we understand that that there's something about a righteous life that also inspires us to be better. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. If we get the sharpest Christian folks around us to be our friends, they're going to sharpen all our dullness. As we sharpen, others will be sharpened. As we rub up against one another, as we share the word with one another, as we grow, it's called discipleship. It's called mentoring. It's called living for Christ on a daily basis. All that happens. Hear me, as we depend, obey, and follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Every morning, we should ask for a fresh filling and a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Remember what Paul said? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice which is holy and acceptable to God. It is your reasonable service of worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be renewed by the renewing of your mind, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, the renewing of your mind, your heart, your life, a fresh, fresh anointing, fresh feeling, that you may prove what is a good and perfect and acceptable will of God. But it starts with just basic steps of reading our Bibles, of praying, of asking the Holy Spirit to guide us and learning to hear Him. And you will if you make that commitment. And then it's wonderful to see how he just uses plain old ordinary people to do his will.
on a daily basis. And it's rather funny to see the circumstances he puts us in. He doesn't hardly ever put me in a circumstance I'm comfortable in. It's always something really different. It's always something a little challenging. But that's for my growth and benefit, so I will learn and grow to be more like Christ. He'll do the same thing for you. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for tonight. We just ask that you'll guide us and direct us. Take your word. Don't let the devil snatch it away. Holy Spirit, anoint us, fill us. Give us an understanding of who you are and what your work is. and Let it be a biblical understanding based upon Scripture. And Father, we love you and thank you that you've given us everything as it pertains to life and godliness. It's in Jesus' name I thank you. Amen. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.